Hey there, welcome to the Women's Business Workshop podcast. So it's the new year and I am not going to do a predictions only episode. I do love listening to those and I will say though that I listened to two yesterday that said completely opposite things. So take them with a grain of salt if you are listening to them. Instead, I want to give you four business suggestions as you are planning your 2023 business goals and activities. These are based on trends that I've been seeing in solopreneur and small businesses specifically throughout the last year and things I see that are actually missing from a lot of small micro businesses. As always, listen strategically for how it fits you specifically, take some notes, and take action after the episode. I cleaned out my car the other day, and do you know how many podcast notes I found here and there? And they do not do me any good in my car or in my purse or at the bottom of my bag. So it's time to get those written in your planner or bring them to your mastermind group so you can explore the viability, but get them out of your purse. Welcome to episode 79. Thanks for joining us today on the Women's Business Workshop podcast. This is your host and business coach, Robin Walker, helping female entrepreneurs and business owners like yourself to find more strategy and focus in your business so that you can reach your goals with less distraction and overwhelm. My number one suggestion for 2023 in your business is to put people first. So this is in regards to staff, contractors, customers, People are what make your business successful. If you're listening to this or you're in my tribe, you probably are not the type of person that undervalues their staff or their team because we just aren't like that, but we get busy and sometimes this falls through the cracks. I want you to figure time in your schedule to make people a priority. Whether that is thanking your staff, finding ways to make their jobs more enjoyable, and of course we don't want to assume, we want to ask them and find out what would do that and what would make things easier for your team. Maybe it is thanking referral partners, people that have suggested you or helped you find new clients, could be gifts to staff or gifts to your clients. We want to make sure that we are valuing and supporting those that help us in business. Putting people first can also apply to events and marketing. I've seen a real trend with small business owners putting in-person networking and relationships as a priority in their marketing plan moving forward. So a lot of us did this already before the pandemic, but there was such a push for online business and serving people all over the country. And for some of us, whether you're geographically located or you just really like that in-person experience with your clients, I think people are moving back to that and not only making it a priority, but realizing how important it is for our small businesses. Social media and digital marketing are definitely beneficial and have a place for sure. But if you're looking for a referral-based business or you run a location-based business, then in-person or highly personal interactions could do wonders for your bottom line. People refer people. People who know who you are and are willing to risk their name by suggesting you to their circles. One of the best ways to get to know someone is by spending time with them. This doesn't have to always be in person. This can be on the phone. This can be on Zoom. But it can also be one-on-one -on -one or at an event. If you are in the Wisconsin, Illinois, or Minnesota region, 
we do have an event coming up that I would love to invite you to. It is such fun for me to meet podcast listeners in person at our events. So our seventh annual conference for women in business is on February 28th in Lake Geneva. We will be connecting in person like I was suggesting we all do in our businesses. We're going to be learning from experts and doing work on our businesses. I structure this event intentionally so that you leave with new connections and friends. I am intentional about these activities because I know the value of your time away from your work, but also the importance that relationships have in a thriving business. Our day two of the event is a retreat for the members of the Impact Business Circle. You are welcome to stay for this event if you've joined the Mastermind Group by February 15th. Early bird tickets are on sale in January. You can see the speakers and the details at womensbusinessworkshop.com slash lakesideconference. That will also be in the show notes. The last people first suggestion that I have for you is to find a tribe of other women in business that get what you are going through. They don't have to be in your industry, but having an outlet for those hard days, uh, having the expertise for feedback, and someone to celebrate with is paramount to your experience as a small business owner. No one gets it quite like we do. So whether that tribe is online, on Zoom, in person, find your people. Find people that are non-judgmental, that are going to be honest with you, but also say it with care. Number two, be yourself. Authenticity is going to be sought after as consumers choose where they spend their money. We want to support real people who have values we align with and are people we can trust. This is the benefit, though, of being an owner-run business. You are the brand, my friend. Whether you want to be or not, people are choosing you and what you bring to their customer experience. You can create the business experience you want by being yourself and working in your strengths. You can serve your clients in a way that feels natural to you. So keep your eyes on the prize that you want, not what others tell you you should be focusing on or wanting to achieve, but build the business that works for you and your family. I still want you to go out of your comfort zone to grow, but when it comes to how you serve and attract your customers, look to your strengths. What makes the most sense for you? Personally, I love conversations and big ideas. Podcasting and speaking events make so much more sense for me to spend my time on than eight social media platforms. I will be totally honest with you guys, though, that getting on stage did not feel natural at first. It was much easier to work behind the scenes and say that planning was my strength. But I got pushed by my communication consultant, Carrie Sharp, and my strengths coach, Jenny Schubring, to start doing more formal speaking events. Ironically, when we looked at my background, I had been speaking for years just in other scenarios. I ran the Rush program for my sorority in college, leading and instructing 100 women in a week-long event where I spoke to thousands of new recruits as they came through our event. I was a teacher, for goodness sake. (laughs) That is speaking to a crowd on a daily basis and an unruly one at that. And there were many others as we looked back at my experience and my background, but I was just avoiding this thing because it felt uncomfortable. And I want to point out that that's different. That's a different uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable because I hadn't formally done it 
in this role in my life, and it felt very scary. That's different from strategically deciding not to focus, let's say, on high-cost funnels because it doesn't have the high-touch personal connection that I want to focus on in my marketing because communication and interpersonal interactions are my strength. So there's a difference in when people say get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes it's smart and sometimes it's not. Total side note here, but you guys, there is such a need for people that can comfortably speak on their area of expertise. I'm going to talk about it more at the upcoming conference, but trust me, it is something you want to explore for 2023 in your business. Even if you don't see yourself as a speaker, let's talk about how maybe you can be taking baby steps into that because promoters, event hosts, podcasters need good speakers. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but hopefully it was helpful. So on to number three, using technology to have a competitive customer experience. We want to make our customer experience as easy as possible. We want things to make sense for our customers. We want it to be easy for them to buy from us, easy to refer us. So I'm talking about your scheduling software, client onboarding, email, payments, signing contracts. Even if you just rely on referrals and do simple invoicing, technology can make it smoother and easier for your client to book you. And other people are doing it and you will stand out if you are not. Personal example for my family. We were signing up for chiropractic care. The way that the chiropractor had it set up, I could register, book an appointment, set up automatic payments, all in one sitting and all from the comfort of my home. Now by contrast, we were signing up for a service with a local doctor through a larger company. So you would think that they would have a real smooth process or at least comparable to a solopreneur. Wrong. In order to book my first appointment, I had to drive to their facility, pick up a packet of paperwork, old school paperwork, go home, fill it all out. And this was like 15 pages. So not something you're sitting in their office filling out. Then I had to drive them back. And then they would have someone call me to set up my first appointment. So I can tell you, we still have not booked this appointment. The paperwork has been mostly filled out on the counter for at least a couple weeks. It is cumbersome, it's annoying, and it's not a smooth process. These are different situations and different companies, but as a user, I'm still comparing them. I bought something from a local bakery and I was able to do everything I needed to online and have a family member go pick it up for the holidays. Bakery, chiropractor, doctor's office, it doesn't matter if you're in the same industry. People are comparing their experiences. So even if your industry is behind and you're saying, well, that's how everyone does it in XYZ industry, you can stand out by having everything automated or at least having it simpler. Most small business owners have a customer journey that can be tightened up a little bit, can be automated in some way, or can just be more aligned. It helps you and it helps your customer. So if you're someone that's listening right now saying, well, I don't like tech, I'm not good at tech, hire someone who is. 
And if you don't know what your client journey is, you've never mapped it out, or you don't know how to make it better, email me, robin at womensbusinessworkshop.com, and we can get you started on a more aligned process. You will get more sales and your customers will be happier. Number four is the last one that most of you don't want to hear. Do your math. Most likely you're in business because you're passionate about your zone of genius, maybe coaching, counseling, healing, but you don't love the finances part. But we all love to get paid. It's an ongoing conversation in our mastermind groups. It's okay to not like it. Um, It's okay to need to learn more about it or to hire it out, but it is not okay to ignore it until tax time or make it a neglected part of your business. You need to know what's happening seasonally, quarterly, so that you know how to plan for the next year. So many people start planning for 2023 before they've even done their books for 2022. And you can't make educated decisions without the data. So I want you to spend some time figuring out how many hours a month are you working in your business in any capacity, not just when you're servicing your clients or you're actually in the storefront. How many hours are you actually working? And in relation to that, how much are you actually putting in your pocket each month? What are you earning as the business owner? Is the ratio between the number of hours you're working a month and what you are bringing home as income, is that where you want it to be? Would you let someone else pay you that to work those hours? Now, yes, we have flexibility, all the things, but I just want you to make sure that you are conscious of what you're putting in and what you're getting out. If not, let's explore how you can raise that revenue, how you can decrease your expenses possibly, or just make your business more efficient so you can either work less or make more. There's systems and software that can make the financials easier, and there's even like games out there right now. There are also amazing bookkeepers, virtual assistants, and people that can run regular reports for you so you don't have to, but you also don't have to have your head in the sand. So when you look back on last year, I want you to notice your seasonal sales trends, when you were booked, when it was slower, and then I want you to plan ahead for these. See what commonalities you find and what you can get ahead of for next year. If you wait until tax time to enter everything, or do it now and then on a whim, some people have found success setting aside a morning a month or a quarter to enter all the financials at once or uh, to send them to their bookkeeper. There's also the option to habit stack your financial activity with something that you're already doing and you're already in the routine of doing in your business. The underlying message I'm telling you is just don't avoid it. So to wrap up my suggestions, Put people first, broaden your circles. Number two, be yourself and build the business you want. Number three, use tech to make your customer service and experience easier for you and your customer. And number four, do the math. Know your numbers and use it to plan better. So here's to a new year and a stronger and more aligned business. If you want to work together in 2023, go to womensbusinessworkshop.com or email me at robin at womensbusinessworkshop.com and we can get something on the schedule. Now go get back to work. 